and welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richardduken.com, as well as podcasts on SoundCloud. I get going way too fast sometimes, folks, and it's just because I get very excited about my uh, th- this particular part of my career in interviewing people. We have podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher Player, FM, Blueberry, and other locations you folks are reposting to, so thank you for doing that. I really do appreciate it. Uh, we are also on YouTube. Uh, my channel, Tell Me Your Story, Richard Dugan. Just look for the guy with the hat, okay? And you can watch these interviews as well, uh, where we will be seeing uh, yours truly as well as my guests. And you'll have an opportunity to watch while you uh, while you are maybe, I don't know, maybe you're going to their website. We'll be giving you the website of, a, website of our guest here shortly, if I can keep my hands away from my mouth. And uh, we will ask you to do that to continue your evolutionary process. We hope that you will join us. Now, a lot of times I just jump right in and we just go after the guest and we start talking about the subject. Well, we're going to kind of do that today. Uh, now that I've got the preliminaries out of the way, I do want to remind you that we do have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours if you'd like to support the work that we are doing and we greatly appreciate that and we also ask you to participate in the decade of perfect vision the 2020s where you spend time going within and you know we might even touch upon that a little bit with our guest today on the program who is returning and it is uh, Jeannie Cisco Meth and she is joining us again she's written a book called uh, basically one that you want to uh, unbully yourself, as it were. We're going to get the correct title there, but I want to thank uh, Jeannie for joining us here on the program. It is uh, really a pleasure to have you back again. Uh, this is a subject that unfortunately isn't going away, and we want people to learn how to bullyproof you. That's the title of the book, and great to have you back. Thank you so much for having me back. I appreciate it. You know, it's uh, it's it's interesting how timely this is, because there was a little oh a little press conference that was held <laughs> by the current president, who basically said to his staff, "If I find out that, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, folks, if I find out that anybody is bad mouthing anybody else." I will fire you on the spot. And he repeated it on the spot. And the reason why this is timely is because as our conversation is unfolding here with uh, Jeannie and I, already the first member of his administration to go after a reporter who was going to report on a relationship he was having I think it was with another report. It doesn't matter the details. He said, I will ruin you. Something along those lines. I mean, it wasn't, they weren't kind words. They suspended him initially without pay to investigate. I think that was appropriate. He finally resigned. And you know what? That's not bullying. He was warned. From the get-go, you do this, you are gone. He's gone. And for the past four years plus, we didn't have that. Because we had a man who didn't care. He was going to badmouth anyone and everyone he felt was not being loyal to him, who was not doing this, that, or the other thing. And if they badmouthed him, they were gone. 
And I find the it's an interesting about face, 180 degree turn. In light of your book, Bully Proof You, when you saw or heard that statement from the president to his staff about their dialogue, if you will, to other people, what what were your thoughts? That What went through your mind at that moment? Well, first of all, full disclosure, I didn't hear that. Okay. And I didn't, right. I didn't see that. So... Full disclosure, I don't get totally enmeshed in politics. <laughs> that sure. does increase my blood pressure. Um, but I do know, I do know that we have become a society of hurt people hurting people, and we lash out through words and deeds and anger at people many times when there's a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking a moment and saying, hang on, what did you mean by that? Because when I say that, when we hear something, we don't always hear what is said. We hear through our own filters, our own judgments, our own prejudices. And so many times I think we need to just slow down and take a moment and say, hang on, what did you mean? Because this is what I heard. Okay. Well, I don't know that the, the, the conversation between this uh, a staffer and reporter was recorded or anything, but apparently somebody had the quotes and they really relayed them. And uh, again, I applaud an employer or anybody for that matter who will suspend um, a situation you kind of put the brakes on before carrying, uh, before dropping the ax as it were. And we haven't been doing that. And in a lot of areas of our lives, we have not been doing that. Right. We, yeah. we jump to judgment. And that is also a very interesting perspective that you share because many times if we are unlike you watching the news, uh, and following along with these details, uh, especially if it's breaking news, we immediately jump to judgment. Always. And Always. I remember when 9-11 happened. God, yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, first thought went through my mind was there's something not right here. Not because these planes had been crashed into the towers and the Pentagon and crashed in Pennsylvania. No, I, I there was something wrong here based upon what was being said. Now, in in that same light, in that same light, I don't know if you remember the, um, I think it was the Marlborough building. It was another federal building that supposedly was bombed. Timothy McVeigh was executed for it. I remember that the, 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 the initial breaking news reports were they saw two Middle Eastern men leaving the scene. And that was the last time I heard that. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking, really? Where, what happened to the report of these two Middle Eastern men? Well, there, you know, and we could go down all kinds of rabbit holes with sure, that. Sure, 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 sure. You know, and I don't want to do that. I, my, point. my belief Go ahead. is mm-hmm. is that we see what we expect to see. Yeah, there it is. We That's what I want to go to. Yeah, what we expect to hear. Mm-hmm. 
And so if I expect to see prejudiced people, guess what? I find them everywhere. If I expect to see people with hate and anger, guess what? I see them everywhere. And if I expect people to be kind and rational and loving, I find them as well. Yeah. So the important thing, I absolutely love what you said about just hold on, put the brakes on, right? What did you mean? Because this is what I heard. Mm-hmm. You know, we say that in our family all the time. <laughs> and and because there's there's, you know, sometimes my mouth doesn't speak right, sometimes my ears don't hear right. And so instead of taking offense, we say, hang on, what did you say? Because this is what I heard. And it it absolutely helps. Victor Frankel in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, talks about how between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our power to choose. And in our choice lies our growth and our freedom. So if somebody says something to me and I immediately jump to judgment and how, you know, I put all kinds of labels on them, that's my, that will dictate my response. But if I slow down just a minute and say, hang on, I need some clarity here because you sounded like a jerk. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, if I just take a moment and find out the meaning behind the words, I think we would save a lot of heartache in our country right now. I've uh, watched a number of TV shows, uh, movies and television programs. They were dramas where, um, again, I understand that if you uh, didn't have the drama, the conflict and so forth, then it would be a short. It would be a movie short. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I I watched Batman versus Superman. And the conversation they had at the end, and I'm sorry, folks, spoiler alert, but the conversation they had at the end, if they had just stopped, put the brakes on and had that conversation at the beginning, I think the movie would have been five to seven minutes long and it would have been (laughs) one of those shorts and that would have been it. And who would have gone to see that? Okay. Uh, It would have been cheaper to make. Okay. (laughs) Would have been cheaper to make. Right. (laughs) Uh, Another television show. uh, It was um, uh, called The Last Ship. And a virus had spread across the globe. And uh, there was this island where these people had sequestered themselves away from everyone else. And they were kind of brutal pirate types. But nonetheless, they wanted to get away. And one of them had the virus. And allegedly, another ship had come and give them a virus antidote. And uh, apparently, it didn't work because some of the other people died along the way. And so this this other Navy ship shows up. It's referred to as the last ship. And, of course, there's a battle that ensues. And, uh, of course, there is no dialogue until finally everyone but the leader is killed. He's taken on board in chains, sitting down in a chair and starts to tell his side of the story. And I'm sitting here going, you know, if you'd listen, if you'd had the dialogue before the battle, all of your people would still be alive today. Right. Right. Uh, But again, not great television. Right. But we do that in real life all the time. Yes. Because monkey see, monkey do, and humans aren't too far behind. No, no, not too far behind. (laughs) My wife likes to often say when she sees situations like this develop on the news, uh, you know, the the analogy is used of, you know, we're, we're walking to the entrance of the cave, okay, the caveman. And she'll often say, we haven't even left the entrance. And I say, no, 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 you're wrong. 
we're still at the back of the cave. <laughs> <laughs> we're not even near the entrance to the cave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you begin to process with people? How, how do you do that? I mean, I've heard lots of techniques. I could throw them out there, what I've heard, but I'm curious as to where do you start when you've got two, we'll call them combatants, could be individuals, could be groups of people, could be union and management, could be a <laughs> child in school, two children. I mean, my best friend and I, in, in I think it was eighth grade, I was given this wonderful a coat for Christmas. It was one of these raincoats. It was blue and everything. And we got to wrestling around one day and the story comes out. He, my best friend, ripped my coat. Next thing I know, we are both at the principal's office. Now, this was eighth grade. We've been best friends since late sixth grade. Uh, and um, our principal basically he, he basically says, look, his name was Ridgeway, Mr. Ridgeway, the principal. I still remember. And he basically says, come on, you guys. You guys have been best friends since da-da-da-da-da-da. And eventually, you know, we got past it and we moved on. Um, so that was how he handled it uh, as far as he – and we've been best friends ever since, okay? We, we've never been estranged. Even And we've had a couple of other uh, situations over the course of the years. I mean, grade school, high school, college together. Uh, and still today, I, ca I call him every so often and we chat. And he's still living in Phoenix. And I'm out here on the West Coast. And we're still good friends. So where, where does uh, Jeannie, Jeannie Cisco Meth begin with a, a conflict between human beings <laughs> this is a great question because I was speaking to a neighbor of mine the other day and I had no idea that he held ill harbor towards, towards my husband. And it was all due to a total misunderstanding. So for probably about a year and a half, he's harbored these, this angst and anger and frustration. And, and we had no idea it was even there. We did not know that there was any slight. We didn't, you know, we, I think he overreacted, that's my opinion, but after an hour and a half of talking with him on the phone, we, will, we were able to laugh and joke and get over it. But it starts with that conversation. You see, when emotions are high, intelligence is low. Mm. And the problem is, is we don't take the time to deal with our emotions, drain the emotion off so that we can then talk as mature adults. A lot of times that emotion comes out first, the other person reacts with defense and then the fight is on. If we would just take a moment and stop and go, wait, hang on, hang on. Let's talk about this instead of immediately going to the fight, you know, the, the, the defense part. So what it starts with is a very firm and solid foundation and belief in me, that personal value. I spend a good, you know, that's what my book starts with. Bullyproofing you starts with that with the, that pyramid, and at the bottom, the foundation is personal value. Because if I believe in myself and I know that I'm valuable, then I can say, "Well, hang on, let's talk about this. Let's slow down." Whereas if I'm already got that bully in my head saying horrible things to me, now somebody outside of me is attacking me. I'm attacked on both fronts. I get defensive. 
And so it starts with, first of all, belief in myself and then realizing that hurt people hurt people and talking to the pain. What is the definition? Uh, and, and when I ask that, I'm now asking for a gradient because we know what the maximum when it comes to bullying is because it's warfare. It's, it's literally mass destruction. That's the ultimate uh, in bullying. Uh, where uh, Does it start... And this is not a, 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 a catch-all here, okay? I'm not paint, I'm using a big paintbrush here. But can it start uh, with uh, the mistreatment, and maybe I should say the abuse, of self and or animals? Is that a, that, that has to be under the category of, or is it, is it uh, and again, I'm talking about uh, from a scale of 1 to 10, and then we've already defined 10, we're talking 1, uh, verbal, is it, uh, where does the scale start in terms of the signs that family, friends, siblings, relatives should be a looking out for in terms of a biblical passage that says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he gets old, he will not depart from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, first of all, war is not bullying. War is war. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know? So, and it's the same with abuse. If somebody puts their hands on you or pushes you or anything like that, that's no longer bullying, that's abuse. That can be considered assault. Bullying is verbal words meant to intimidate or control another person. That's what bullying is. And so when you break it down, but bullying has become a huge term to mean all kinds of things in our society. But the, the, definition of it is intimidation you know words meant to intimidate or control another person put another person down you know if you want to broaden it a little bit and so bullying is words if there is physical touch if there is a push if there is a shove if there is guns drawn that is no longer bullying that's assault okay one of the con um, uh, contradictions that i find so fascinating when, when talking about this subject of bullying, <clears throat> one of the comments I've heard is, well, hey, come on, it's no big deal. I mean, that's, it helps kids to build character, all right? And so I say, all right, all right, let's, let's take this to the next level here. A child is bullying another child. You're saying that's okay because they're just kids. Kids will be kids, all right? And this child is now being allowed to bully other children as they move through the grades into high school, into college. And now we are talking about a crime. So should we arrest the child now because the child is basically committing a crime? Oh, but it's just a child, so not really. They're building character. They're also helping build character for the children that they are harassing. Um, it just seems to me like, on the one hand, it's okay as a kid, but not as an adult. But wait a minute, you said it was okay because it builds character. That's the contradiction that I find. Well, and I, I don't agree with that in any way, shape, or form. 
Um, and if, if you go back to my underlying belief of hurt people, hurt people, mm -hmm. the bully needs help just as much as the victim does. That's one of the reasons I don't believe zero tolerance works. It's because a kid's hurting mm -hmm. more, more than likely being bullied at home, yeah. being abused at home. And now they're lashing out at school. We need to be helping that kid, not extra excommunicating him, right. so to speak, you right. know, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but if, if, a if my child is being bullied, now my youngest is 22. Um, I've been doing this now for about 10 years. Well, longer than that, because I started developing the program when my kids were little to help them. And then it became a program that I've taken to the stage. But so my son was probably third grade. I don't remember how old that is. What, six, seven? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that's about right. That's about right. Yeah. Uh huh. So, yeah. So he's in, he's in third grade and he comes home and he's all upset, you know, and we start talking about it. And I had learned from Love and Logic, Jim Fay and Foster Klein to say the statement, aren't you glad I don't believe that? That phrase totally changed my whole life because now that I've had years to study it, I realize what happens. Your child comes home and says, you know, Jimmy called me such and such. And, and you immediately launch into this, especially moms. I'm a mom. Launch into this whole conversation about how, no, honey, you're beautiful or you're smart or you're handsome or whatever. What happens subconsciously is the child goes, wow, mom's really overcompensating for me being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right? Mom just spent five minutes telling me I'm smart. I must be really dumb. But if I say to my child, aren't you glad I don't believe that? What it does is it allows them to go, wait, you mean I have a choice? I have a choice what labels get stuck and what choice and peeled off? Then that's exactly what happens. We have a choice. And so if your child is being bullied, let them know they don't have to let those labels stick by asking them, aren't you glad I don't believe that? Yeah. Now, if you're a child, if you're the teacher and you're seeing a, a bully, or, you know, the teacher comes back to you and says, hey, I think your, your son or daughter's a bully. Then, you know, they're, they've got pain. They've got a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm so glad you asked this question because on my website, geniesiscometh.com, the very first homepage is a quiz. Is my child at risk for being bullied? Is my child a possible bully? And so I'd love for you to go there, jump on that and, and take that quick quiz. Well, I think it would be a good one. And there, uh, and that's that's the kind of thing that that we need to we need to work on in a big way as far as um, surviving <laughs> surviving as a civilization. I've often said that that uh, many folks uh, uh, don't seem to understand that um, you know if we were meant to live solitary lives, right. Uh, I'm sure that the good Lord would have made that uh, situation uh, uh, a real one because there are enough class M planets in the universe <laughs> that uh, each one of us could occupy our own planet. Yeah. But guess what the reality is, ladies and gentlemen? We are all, eight, nearly 8 billion of us, we're all here. We're all here. And that's one of the things that, that I, I look at on a regular basis. I really try to keep that in mind, that we're not here by ourselves. And right. I think that people need to start, you know, sort of picking up on that. 
and realizing that uh, you know what it's you know there's there's more here than meets the eye. We got to learn how to work together uh, in order to overcome a lot of the problems that we do have in our society. Um, are there, are there, uh, is there, is there institutional bullying as has been claimed? And I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just putting this out there as it has also been claimed that there's institutional racism and sexism and all of the other isms. Uh, is there institutional bullying? I cannot speak to that. Um, I mean, I can try, I can give my opinion, but mm -hmm. I am not, I, I have a difficult time with, as you said, isms as they are. Um, I don't believe in institutional racism either. I don't believe in institutional sexism. And I know that your keyboard's probably gonna light up now because I said that, but I believe that there are people that find what they're looking for. Right. Uh, it's often I've, I've often thought that it was actually said to me many years ago. I was working for a Christian radio station and, of course, they would go off on their tangent in regards to looking for, uh, you know, talking about the devil and all of the problems that the devil or Satan brings. And um, they said, you know, if you look under every rock for the devil, you'll find him. Absolutely. Whereas if you look, so to speak, metaphorically, if you look into every rock. You'll find God if that's what you're looking for. Amen. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, it's like a, whatever you're looking for, you will find. Right. Now, how does one begin the process? Let's uh, obviously uh, one of the other aspects of this is self-awareness, isn't it? That yes. we have to come to a place within ourselves where we say, you know what? I've got a behavior here that I, I, I don't like being this way. I mean, I realize this is the way that I have been. I get that. But I just don't like it. I mean, yeah, I've gotten away with it up to this point. But maybe they've maybe this person has finally realized, oh, you know what? If I don't change what I'm doing now, I'm going to wind up in jail in a couple of years when I reach of age 16 or 18 or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to go there. I really would like to do something else. So. That self-awareness is really the first step. It's that, that, yeah, realizing something needs to change. Right. That's the first law of change. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay, I've, I've recognized that in myself. Now what do I do? Where do I go? Who do I turn to? Are there organizations? Are there, uh, do I go see a psychiatrist, a psychologist, uh, 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 a therapist? Uh, do I look for a mentor help me i'm throwing my hands <laughs> up and right, i am yeah. i am surrendering to you uh genie where do i go what do i do so depending on your needs you know is it a chemical imbalance in the brain is it a you know so for me i help people i am a mentor and i help people who have come to that realization that wow i need to change i have this goal i'm not reaching my goal why not oh because i keep telling myself in my mind i can't i'm not good enough i'm not worthy you know i suck i'm stupid whatever so i help people with that aspect as a mentor 
And so that first part is that realizing, wait, I have this negative voice in my head that's constantly telling me I'm not good enough. How do I change that? That's where I start. And it starts with, just like you said, that realization, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's a problem here. Then I make the decision to change it. Mm. Because if, if just because I recognize a problem doesn't mean I've committed to changing it. So recognize the problem, commit to change, and then take action to change. A lot of people think that all I have to do is recognize it, make the decision and take action. Well, guess what? I can't do one sit up and get a six pack. Mm. I have to do it. I take that action over and over again. I have to make that decision over and over and over again so that it becomes a habit and a new way of life. Yeah. I get challenged pretty regularly and it's primarily with my with my driving when I get a little a little upset over people who especially don't use their turn signals. And they'll say, "Well, why are you so upset?" And I say, "Look, if you don't develop the pattern, even in a parking lot of stopping where they have the line and the stop on the ground or turn, using your turn signal to let people know which way you're going in the parking lot. If you don't develop that pattern now, then you won't use that pattern out when you're out on the roadway, the public roadway. I get annoyed, and I was told this by my late former father-in-law when he was teaching me to drive. He said, do not be nice on the roadways. Now, I need to explain that. He didn't mean the converse, be mean, be aggressive. No. He said, follow the rules of the road. And if you follow the rules of the road, you'll stay alive. But if you try to be nice, you will get yourself or someone else killed. And the best example I can give is when I am, I am traveling um, along a roadway and I have to turn left into a driveway. And there's some oncoming traffic that is going to either go straight or they are going to turn right into that same driveway. The rules of the road are that the person who is making the left does not have the right of way. That the person going straight or turning right is to go first. Well, I had a gentleman who was in a Jeep and I come up and I stop and I have my turn signal on to turn left. And he stops and waves me in. And I throw up my hand saying, no, you go. That's exactly what I did. You go. Now, someone's sitting there going, Richard, he was trying to be nice. I said, yeah. And that's not the way the rules of the road are. Why be nice and follow the rules of the road? How about that? Use your turn signal and do not just, oh, I want to be nice and I'm going to let this person make a left turn in front of me. Yeah. yeah, well, what happens if there's someone behind you and you're being nice and they run into the rear end of you and then you're, you don't have your foot on the brake enough and you run into me? Yeah. Now, what has your niceness gotten? A three-car yeah. collision. Hope to God there are no injuries and so on and so forth. Yeah. 
Um, what about the rules of the road when it comes to uh, living in this society? Obviously, uh, bullying is not being nice. You have been through it. I have been through it in my grade school and high school years. Um, I had a, an employer. I had a manager who hired me and treated me for about a month as if I were his best friend. That's great. Super. But after that month was over and I was in the position and trying to make improvements, it was as he treated me as if I had killed his best friend. And I didn't find out until later that the reason was because I was trying to make improvements at the station, but the station was to be a tax write-off for the owner and they didn't want improvements. If we made the station more valuable, that was counterproductive to their goal of using it as a tax write-off. And, uh, you know, but that aside, you know, he became the, I had hid in the production room doing production just to stay out of the, the line of fire. Hostile work environment. Um, what about the rules of the road? I mean, are they, are they pretty cut and dry? Uh, oh, Absolutely. I was a driver's ed teacher for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> so when you started that story, I'm like, yeah, you follow the rules of the road. And guess what? You follow the rules of life and you live as well. That is play nice together, you know? And so when you're saying be nice on the road, you'd be nice is using your turn signal, stopping at stop signs, stop lights, going when they're green, you know, following the rules of the road, turning yeah. your turn signal on check your blind spot you know those those are all rules of the road yeah. and they are there to provide rules and laws so people don't get injured did you feel being bullied that oh this is great i, I it's building character in me i'm i'm becoming a better person because i'm being bullied no bullying does not build character i've never thought that never felt that bullying is just hurt people hurting other people and so when i was being bullied as a young child you know and, and now that i'm 54 and i look back on my childhood it was the perfect childhood for me because it prepared me for what i'm doing now so yeah. i absolutely agree with tony robbins life happens for me not to me so and so if i can start looking at some of those things that people have said and go wait a minute is that true or not true? When people look at me and say, you're so stupid, man, all of those comments from my teacher immediately fly in my face. Mm. And I get to choose, remember stimulus and response, I get to choose my response. And I choose not to believe that. When I sat down to write my book, those words in my head, you're stupid, you'll never make it through school, you can't do this. I heard them and I went, wait a minute, hold on. If I was the only person who didn't know how to spell, nobody would have invented spell check. <laughs> it would not have been profitable. That's true. But the mere fact that there's a spell check on my computer lets me know that I'm not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am uh, certainly not the best of spellers either, but at the same time, I've, I've learned the techniques they teach for spelling uh, in a better way. Uh, of figuring out how words are spelled and that kind of thing. So uh, that was one of the other things that I, I came across. 
And I'll tell you, the same thing applies as far as the rules when it comes to, for example, English. I mean, I have my pet peeves. I've had them for over 40 years in this business. Uh, first of all, there are no O's in phone numbers, okay? Unless you have spelled it out on the keypad with the letters. Then there's an O in there. But we live. I lived in 602 in, in, in Phoenix, Arizona. It was Our area code was 602, not 602. Uh, my area code here in Santa Barbara, 805. And yet 805 Delhi, 805 Bar, 805 this, 805 that. I'm not going to argue with you on that. I, that's just me, okay? And then the other one is, of course, when you introduce yourself to an audience, and I'm sure you've, you've never done this before, you standing in, you're standing in front of several hundred people maybe to give your uh, presentation. Hi, this is Jeannie Cisco Meth. I don't think so. I'm Jeannie Cisco Meth. Now, those are my pet peeves. Okay. Uh, and uh, that's just kind of where I come from. And, and I'll, I'll let that go one day. <laughs> I'll let that go one day. Oh, I have, I have a little caveat to go along with that. Please. Because of my name. Um, my largest audience today is at the Ralston Arena in Omaha, Nebraska. I got to share the stage with Sarah Palin. Pretty cool. And um, I've learned, luckily I had learned, you know, through coming up through the ranks because my first audience, I think was three people. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so it takes a while to build that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, they'd introduced me and you ha you have to just give about two minutes mm -hmm. because as soon as they introduced me, they're like, they say meth, crystal, what, crystal meth, what? There's always that, oh my gosh, what's her name? What? <laughs> so I come out and I just say, hey, it's just my last name, not my drug of choice. Let's get started. <laughs> well... Uh, you know, uh, it's it's funny how uh, bullying also can be very subtle. Um, and again, I know you don't watch a lot of news, especially political news. I understand that. Um, but that was the one thing that ran through my mind uh, on the 15th of June, 2015. I did not want to bully as president. And unfortunately, uh, I got the very thing I didn't want. <laughs> I mean, but that's from my perspective. Right. But since then, what I have come to understand and realize, as you have so well stated, the bully is hurting more than those being bullied. Mm -hmm. And I've come to the place where now I look at this person just as a human being. And I ask the question, what is it that you're so afraid of that causes you to behave this way? And I just want you to know that I, it doesn't matter whether I agree or disagree with how you think or believe or talk. You're a human being. You're a part of this, uh, this species. And I love you. Beautiful. And you have every right to be here. It doesn't matter whether I agree or disagree. I'd like to understand uh, and I think that that's kind of where when I heard about the death of one of my bullies in school from my best friend, I was actually saddened by that in the sense that, damn it, I wonder if he even knew uh, that, that I have uh, how far I have come yeah. uh, as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Um, well, I, I hope, I hope. Richard, that more people get to the place that you just said a moment ago. We don't have to see eye to eye. 
you know, and in my book, I talk about how vegetarians can sit down with hunters and have a civil conversation and be friends and get up from that conversation, still being friends. Yeah. You know, and we need that. Mm -hmm. We need people going, you know what? I don't see eye to eye with you on these subjects, but I do over here. And so let's focus on these. Yeah. Yeah. And let's bring in connection and companionship and, and let this other side go just for now, because you know what? I have other friends that view me the same on that. And I can talk to them about that. But for you and me, we're going to talk about this over here yeah. so that we can come together so that we can start the healing because just like hurt people, hurt people, healed people, heal people. You That's know, it's unfortunate that disasters seem to bring us together and cross all of the divides, cross all of them. I don't care how much money you had in your bank account. There are no more banks or I don't care uh, what political affiliation you have. There is no more. There are no more politicians or what your religious affiliation is because all of the, 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 the religious houses are gone because there's been this earthquake, this hurricane, this whatever that's yeah. destroyed everything in its path. Yeah. Well, gee, now you and I were on the same level. Yeah. And now we've got to work together to rebuild what we once had or to build something new that is, is wonderful and exciting for all of us. And that's where it comes down to choices, isn't it? Yeah. And I believe that's where we are in our country right now. We need to build and stop tearing down. Yeah. We need to communicate and stop throwing anger and bullying. We need to look and seek for understanding and love instead of constantly ridiculing yeah. you know that 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 my observations of of uh, uh the 40 for, the former president uh are that he is if not the he is one of the most unhappy individuals i have ever seen uh i i just i just don't see i don't see that the man has experienced happiness in his life And, you know, and when we don't experience that and we don't experience the love of others, we don't let that in, well, we can get really grumpy. We can get really grumpy, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I don't I don't know. You know, I know that he was attacked a lot. Sure. Yeah. By many people. And and the, the thing that was really bad about that was the fact that. They would justify it by saying, well, but he attacked me. And it's like, well, how is your attacking him helping? <laughs> how is that helping? Just as with radio and television commentators and the echo chambers, and I sit there and I hear all of the name calling, and I'm going, how is that helping the situation? How is blaming this person or that person or this group or that? How, are, how is that solving the problems that we have? And that's the thing that I have come to. Uh, it's like, don't come to me with, well, but they started it. Well, then you stop it. Right. I've, I've wanted right. these, these echo chambers to spend time. Give me one hour. Give me 15 minutes on your program where you do nothing but praise those you've been attacking. Talk about all of the good that, and be genuine about it. Don't be sarcastic. Be genuine about it, about the things that they've done that are good, you know, because whether you're running for, yeah, because whether you're running for president or any other office, 
uh, in this case of in terms of politics, you are putting your life sometimes literally on the line. You are opening up your past and your history to extreme microscopic scrutiny, you know, uh, and, you know, some people figure it's worth it in order to be in a position where they can maybe do some good. And of course, many of them, when they first start out, believe that they can actually do some good. And then all of the other stuff starts to happen. It's unfortunate and, and uh, so forth. But again, it goes back to, you know, how is how is your whining and complaining and all of that? How is that helping? You know, it's like with me and my bullying. And I'm not sure about I'd love to hear about you. I, I found some tactics that spurred me forward beyond it. What about you? What were some of the the tactics or techniques that you found as you were growing up that um, that, that were that allowed you to move beyond it, to to uh, progress and succeed and rise above? Yeah, it's a great question. Because when I was in elementary school and I had teachers and people telling me I was too stupid, I would never make it. That was the perfect thing for them to say to me because it ticked me off. And I can use that as fuel for my fire. And I absolutely did. You know, it kind of boils down to, do I use fear or do I use fuel? And I use that statement as fuel to say, you don't decide what I do. I decide what I do. And I know that I didn't logically think that out as a first and a second grader, Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) but it was there. It lit a fire under me that they don't get to decide. I get to decide. Now, I also have a client of mine who was bullied as a younger person and that she has used it as fear and she has closed off and pulled back. Same situation, kind of different words, but kind of the same same words even. Whereas I chose to use it as fuel to get my fire going and get me going to prove them wrong. She's used it as proof to close off and mm. close down. Mm. And so I think that the biggest question is, what are you using? Are you, you know, closing down and shutting off? Are you going, wait a minute, this is my life. I live it on my terms. You don't decide. I think one of the biggest problems that we that we that we allow or that we teach our kids is that we let somebody else decide our value. That's not right. I decide the words that I say in my head are what decide my value. And if if I decide I'm okay, if I decide I'm all right, if I decide I'm loved, then it is true. I used to, when I would stand in front of audiences and I want to say thanks for having a fireside chat here, no makeup, no, right. We're just hanging out as friends. (laughs) But when I would get on stage, you know, and I would, I would be in my dress, I'd say, how do you like my purple pantsuit? And people would look at me like you're crazy. I said, exactly. When you know who you are, it doesn't matter what anybody else calls you because you know who you are. One of the methods that we offer for people to know who they are is to spend that time, as I mentioned at the front end of the program, during the decade of perfect vision to go within. Talk to us about that part of knowing who we are from your perspective. I decide who I am and I spend a lot of time in the Bible because in the Bible, God tells me I am valuable. God tells me I am unique. 
God tells me I am special. He tells me that I'm made in his image. And when I look around at nature, God makes amazing things, mm. incredible things. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the human body, I love the human body, was a, a personal trainer for a lot of years, could tell you all the muscles and the tendons and all of that. <laughs> the human body is freaking amazing. Yeah. And that's me. That's me. And when I take that and I accept that, then it's then that helps me build on that. And so that, in my opinion, is where it starts. Start believing in you. There is an aspect I'm sure you've come across where people have, and you, you sort of alluded to this with the, 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 the one person you do talked about who became an introvert, and I'll use that. I think that's the appropriate word, as opposed to you becoming an extrovert. And they become so introverted that they potentially could be the, the subject of uh, some of these reality shows. Like my 600 pound life. My wife deals with patients who uh, are anywhere from two to 400 or more pounds. Wow. And one of the things that has occurred to me over the years of my own research and study is that they may or may not have a chemical imbalance. They may or may not have all kinds of other issues and conditions. But one of the things that is probably true is they put on all that weight to protect themselves. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me how you, uh, if you have worked with people in that kind of condition, uh, and maybe if there have been success stories where they have, once they have decided I'm not going to protect myself anymore because I don't need to, um, I will, uh, I will, um, uh, uh, I will start dropping this weight. So I want to start first with the definition between introvert and extrovert. An introvert is just somebody who fills their cup, so to speak, or recharges by themselves. Whereas an extrovert needs that external social connection. My son, very much an extrovert. I actually myself am, am an introvert. <laughs> and so I know you wouldn't think so because I'm on the radio, I've been on TV, I'm getting in front of, you know, on stages and everything. But I have to, after that, I need time totally alone just quiet and recharge my cup quietly. And so that's the difference between introvert and extrovert. I think what you're looking at is the people who are hurt and afraid, close off, build walls mm -hmm. to protect themselves. So it's not so much that they're introverted as they are afraid. And so they build this wall that they hide behind. And then they're, they're, some people, there's a couple of things that happen. Sometimes people will eat their emotions and then other times people will not eat and will lose massive amounts of weight. And so it's kind of both ends of the spectrum. I'm insecure, I hurt, I feel bad, so I eat and the pain's still there, so I eat more. Or the other end of the spectrum is I hurt, I feel bad, so I don't eat and the pain is still there, so I don't eat. Yeah. It goes back to that pain and addressing that pain. And I have absolutely had people on both ends of that spectrum and everywhere in the middle. And it starts with looking at the pain 
and starting to pull it out and look at it logically because many times our pains happen when we're not able to deal with them five six seven ten even up to 15. but me as a 20 30 40 year old if i go back and i pull that pain out and i look at it and go wait a minute that was the wrong conclusion i shouldn't have made that conclusion because my 54 year old brain looks at that incident totally different than my 10 year old brain did the problem is is that many people hide those pains they shove them down they push them down they ignore them because it hurts sure right physical pain will absolutely heal with time emotional pain will not we must look at it analyze it look at it from different angles different perspectives and then many times you pull that thread and it dissolves and falls apart. Sounds an awful lot like um, if we would just deal with these things when we are at 10 years old, if we would be allowed to do so, uh, then we wouldn't be dealing with it at the age of 54, or in my case, the age of 60, and so <laughs> forth. I mean, your, your point is well made, and and it seems to me that uh, if we don't, then we be, we go down the road and you can call it whatever you want. Use my example of the overweight or, as you've said, under uh, eating or not eating um, as self-abuse. And there are so many different forms of it. And some of them are physical and some of them are mental. And again, we we run those tapes over and over and over again in our head. Yeah. Uh, those messages, if you will. Now, you use the term putting up the wall. And again, many different forms of doing so. James yeah. Redfield talks about how we have messages one to eat, one for eat, we for, for one another. We have messages for one another, right? But when that wall is up, those messages cannot get through. And to coin Absolutely. another another Star Trek uh, analogy, when you put the <laughs> shields up, okay? Yeah. The only thing you can do is fight. All you can do is fire the weapons. Nothing yeah. gets in. Nothing gets in. And we put those walls up for protection. Now, mm -hmm. I think, you know, and you said if we deal with it when we're 10, and it depends on how we deal with it, that's great. I also believe that struggle is important. I must struggle to get stronger. When I go to the gym and I lift weights, it's so that I get stronger, so I can pick up more things. Mm -hmm. You know, and so if I were to go to the gym today, I could curl the 20 pound dumbbell. Why? Because I've been doing that. I could not do the 50 pound dumbbell. I have in the past, but I couldn't today. Okay. <laughs> okay? I was just going to ask, what can you clean and jerk? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I love to do is when I was a personal trainer and I'd be in the gym straightening up and the big, huge burly guys would put the 120 pound dumbbells on the floor and I'd go over and pick them up and put them on the rack. <laughs> Oh, wow. I loved that because they would freak out. Could I do that today? No, there is no way. <laughs> oh, wow. But what happened was how could I get to where I could lift that? By lifting the smaller weights and continually to get them to get stronger. Mm -hmm. Our mind and our emotions are the same thing. When I apply pressure and I learn how to deal with it, I get stronger. Mm. Mm -hmm. So a 10-year-old mm -hmm. cannot deal with the, the problems that a 54-year-old can because through my life, I've built the strength and the emotional fortitude to be able to do it. Yeah. 
And so that's why it's absolutely okay to struggle. I believe in struggle because it makes me stronger. The struggle is what makes us stronger. The struggle is what makes us, builds the character, not the bullying. That is, now some would say, well, but that is a struggle. Well, yeah, but that is brought on by someone else. We, we bring upon ourselves our own struggles. We don't need someone else helping us. That's like, (laughs) when, for example, I was being trained by someone many, many years ago in this business and they would actually come over and they would move knobs and dials and this and buttons, what have you on the console. And they would say, okay, now I want you to set things up. I would never do that to anybody. And they would come in and try to mess with my console. And I would never train someone by screwing with their board, right? Because I told them, I said, you are going to run into enough problems along the way. You need to know how the thing works the right way and how to solve problems that might come up without me throwing that at you right now. Right. And so if you learn the right way to, to, to operate this console, all right, and I always tell them, I'm going to show you how I do it, Okay. And I'm going to tell you the result that we want here at this station. Then I'm going to turn you loose and you using what I've taught you find your way of doing it. As long as you get the result that we are asking for. And that's all that matters. That's why I loved one employer who, even though I was scheduled for an eight hour shift, five days a week, they said, we don't care if you work eight hours. What we care is the wor- that the work gets done. And if you do it in five or six, fine. Yeah. Don't ha- why, why would you hang around? <laughs> <laughs> or if it takes 12, that's your issue, not ours. <laughs> that, there you go. That's your issue, not ours. As long as you get the result that we want and you keep us on the air and so on and so forth. Right. <laughs> Uh, Jeannie, I have, uh, I'm always fascinated by this conversation because obviously I have that experience just as you do, uh, in, in, in the, in the department of being bullied. Uh, and that's the last thing I ever want to do. And sometimes I have to catch myself saying certain things. There was a phrase that my father used when I was young. I understood and I understand now where it comes from. My father was never abusive to us. Never. Was he a disciplinarian? Sometimes, but he was a great dad. He was a great father. He's a human being just like you and me, okay? Uh, and he used to use this one phrase um, uh, that, that um, I, I sometimes will utter under my breath when I'm driving to, to those people who aren't using their turn signals. Um, and, I, and he has since, he's never, quote, unquote, I, I don't believe he needs to apologize, but he has said in so many words, number one, I love you and I am proud of you for what you have become. I am proud of you for who you are. I am proud of you for what you do. And he has reinforced that over the last 20, 30, 40 years. But he raised six children and to not utter certain phrases that he wishes he hadn't. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm sure he, he feels that way. I wish I hadn't said those things. But he's also reciprocated with all of those other beautiful things. I know that I'm loved by him. I know that I make him proud, as does my brother and my four sisters and their families. Uh, so I don't, I don't harbor any ill will or trauma or any of that stuff towards my father or my mother. I mean, my mother's favorite phrase to me was, Richard, would you stop being so facetious? Okay. <laughs> I just learned what the word meant, and I think I like that. I 
like the, it sounds I like the sound of it, you know. So it's, it was it's I've turned it into something fun. Uh, and I've grabbed other words too, supercilious and superfluous and so forth. Um, but uh, I, I, I ramble on here because we need to wrap this up. And I thank you so much for giving us so much time. Uh, uh, Jeannie, we can we will send people to your website. We will be linked to your website, Bullyproof You, and that's Bullyproof and the letter U dot com. And we will make sure people go to your website, check out your work, and also check out your book, Bullyproof You, which is Y-O-U. At your website, bullyproofu, the letter U.com. And we thank you so much for joining us here on the program. And I will ask you our final three questions. But I want to thank our listeners for listening as well as watching uh, our, our program here on YouTube, as well as podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all the other locations, as well as li streaming live on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. at richarddugan.com. My first of three, as we wrap this up, and again, I thank you so much, are who is Jeannie Cisco Meth? I am an author and a speaker and a mentor helping people bullyproof their life so they can live a more enjoyable and productive life. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I want to help people start the healing so that we can share healing instead of pain. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Purpose. My life's purpose is to shine a light on struggle and let people know that it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing and it helps us grow. And um, my website is actually bullyproofing you, <laughs> I-N-G. And so, um, <laughs> and if you go to bullyproofingyoubook.com, there's a whole home study course there that you can get and videos, workbook, everything to help you start healing because we need that. Jeannie, thank you again for joining us here on the program. And I thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story as well as watching it on YouTube. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to love.